world. This is Book Music. I am Tosh Berman. And I'm Kimley. You're just Kimley, like Cher? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go by one name. Is it too late for me to go Tosh? Or Okay, now you know I'm Tosh Berman. So yeah, sorry. yeah, now everybody knows who you are. <laughs> they can Google you and find out all the details of your sordid past. Uh, I like details, to keep a low profile. The details are pretty grand, I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here. Well, first of all, book music always focus on books on music, memoir by a musician, a biography, music history, even a fictional character who may be a musician or a composer of some sort. And we do all sorts of music, especially rock and roll. Yes, we like we rock. We like to tell people we're, we're into all sorts of music, but really we love rock and roll. This is true. I and tell people that to impress them. I tell, I tell people that to think I have a wider canvas to work on, but the fact is we always go back to rock and roll. It's true. I think we've only done one jazz book and maybe one classical book, correct? <laughs> yeah, that is correct. And the one thing that we both are devoted to beyond anything else on this planet is garage rock. Beyond anything else, yes. <laughs> Do you love garage rock as much as I love it? Of course. Who doesn't love garage rock? It's it's the basis of everything that came afterwards. You can't like rock without liking garage rock. I mean, you have to. It's the core. So we're here because of our love for garage rock. Is um, There's a book. Our book of the day is Five Years Ahead of My Time. It's garage rock from the 1950s to the present by Seth Bovey, published by Reaction Books, and it's part of the Reverb series. And the Reverb series is a very interesting series. Our last book was a Reverb book, right? Yeah, I know. It's a great series. I want to read some more of them. So the Reverb series is basically a series of books focusing on music, music bands, artists, but also putting a location to that artist. Like the Kinks, the book we did on the Kinks deals with um, not only the Kinks, but also North London or London. Because right. um, all their songs deal with that subject matter. And this book also is very regional or landscape based, uh, but in a bigger, well, the whole world, really. <laughs> right, you're right. It's got a Something. big international section. But, Mostly, I think of garage rock as being very regional. Mm-hmm. It's usually from. It's usually a, a garage rock band. Typically, is a band that is young musicians, or even young non musicians, or they're sort of starting out of sorts. They're like in their late teenage. They're like teenagers, uh, and usually a lot of them are from the suburbia of big cities or towns or in rural areas, where. Mm-hmm their first time they get together, they put a band together and either they do a cover or they write their own songs. But a lot of garage rock bands are from small labels and not really part of a huge industry as of yet. Right. And I think Seth Bovary, I mean, I'm sort of doing it from my memory of reading the book. I read it a long time ago, I read it yesterday. <laughs> I, read like, I read two other books since then. 
uh what's time now in the age of uh, the virus yes what is time but anyway um this is a really really good introduction to the concept of garage rock yeah and garage rock is actually not that easy for me to define i mean i, I right now I, I gave it a definition but you know he makes a he makes a, a he, he makes a, the distinction between um a band like the pretenders mm-hmm who have sort of a rootsy rock and roll attitude and say mm-hmm. another band like, I don't know, you know, the Standells or Question Mark and the Mysterians from the 60s. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the distinction he makes, like the Pretenders, they're all pro musicians. When they formed right. that group, they all had a musical past. We may never right. heard of them. Yeah, we may not heard of Chrissy Hine really or, or the other members of the Pretenders. But they do have a music history. They've been around for a while, and then you know they form the Pretenders, and you know Pretenders become legendary. So that right. is that. And and Bobby's terminology, it's not really garage rock. Right. I think he defines it more as uh, you know he calls it homegrown rock and roll, and it's usually amateurs. It's you know he says it really started when people you know started hearing rock and roll and especially the instrumental groups and the kids thought well hey i can do that this isn't that hard to play i mean guitar is one of the easier instruments so you, you learn you know if you can learn to switch between three chords you can play a dozen songs right away you know? so you, it's relatively easy you you yourself know three chords right I do. In fact, I am a member of many failed, horrible garage rock bands. <laughs> oh, <you started laughs> Talentless amateurs. <laughs> okay, so if we started a band now, like tomorrow, uh-huh. is it garage rock? I don't think so, because you're like now a seasoned musician. I'm a seasoned musician. <laughs> yes. But you're not. <laughs> no. I'm Did you ever art- play an instrument as a kid? I played a wild tambourine. All right, shake your groove thing. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you were a go-go boy. Actually, <laughs> in elementary school, like we're talking like not you know like we're talking about sixth grade, almost junior high school. Uh-huh. Reasonably um, responsible children at the time, uh-huh. and we had a garage rock band um, where we did a cover of Gloria. Nice. I'm not your stepping stone. And maybe oh, great, yeah, stepping stone is one of the first songs I ever learned and, on guitar. <laughs> and I didn't. And and I play tambourine in the band. But my Excellent. tambourine playing. Oh, I wish they had smartphones back then, so we had video of that. <laughs> well, was a good point. I mean, to bring up about you know smartphones and technology, because at the time there was no technology except. No, um, no, it was very you know, ephemeral. It was a one-time deal. Yeah, like a lot of these people made their own labels and made a record, and then it got distributed yeah. to a bigger you know record label and so forth. But. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't really it talked about it in the book, but in my experience, you know, I li- we live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And in Los Angeles, there's numerous music shows. They're like local music shows. Right. Um, there is Where the Action Is, uh, a show called Boss City, the Ron, the real Don Steele show, uh, Lloyd Faxon show. And a show. Are you, are really you talking good- about the old radio shows mm-hmm. that were on in the 60s? Is that what you're talking about? Well, these are these are local TV shows in Los Angeles. The real Don Steele is still on. No, I was going to say that's an old show. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm t- these, okay. are, these shows are long gone. Oh but, yeah, okay, these are older shows. Yeah, and then of course my favorite, the Groovy Show. 
with Sam the Riddle. Show. With Ruby oh, show. I don't know that one. Wow. Now, what makes these shows distinctive? I mean, they're like local shows. That since we're in Los Angeles, of course, you got they got bigger bands and you know well-known. Right. Groups. But they also right. feature a lot of garage rock groups. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember seeing a lot of garage, you know, bands like you know the Music Machine, which is like one of my personal favorite garage rock band, was mm -hmm. on these shows um, numerous times. Mm -hmm. And um, now we don't have that sort of out. I mean, now things. I mean, since well, now everything's on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah. It's very different, and it feels like the motivation is very different. I mean, I think a part of what we love so much about garage rock, at least for me, and I'm guessing for you, uh -huh. is that there's a real raw passion to it, and it's primarily done because the people just love music and they love playing together. It's yeah. it's not because they want to be rich and famous. I mean, maybe right. some of them do, but I think the vast majority of the kids that do this just do it because it's fun and they love music and, you know, maybe they want to get girls or whatever, but it's still a relatively pure motivation. Um, they want they want yeah. to play music, get girls, but then they knew they had to go to college afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, there's not a career move. Had a career, but not very many. Yeah, it, it's, it's not a career thing. It's just basically do a couple of songs, make a record, and get some girls, and then afterwards yes. go to college and get serious. Right, right. Be a lawyer, <laughs> a doctor, or accountant. <laughs> in between putting a band together, making a record, and getting girls. They're like uh -huh. wild, wild, wild songs. Yes. And I know it's kind of amazing, you know, I was listening so much of this music as so I was reading the book, as I know you were too, and, yeah, yeah. and it's really still very fresh sounding to me. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, I am old, but it, it still, it feels very relevant to me. It doesn't feel like old music no, to me, you know, no. it doesn't feel dated. Um, you know, the so that's kind of amazing. You know, the production is usually raw and very... Right, but uh, that's what we like about it. Yeah, mono sounding, you know, there's like yeah. a big speaker, not Yeah, not it's not speaker. slick by any no. sense, yeah. And it's not psychedelic. Right. Though you can argue there's psychedelic, you know, garage rock bands in the later yeah, years. Yeah, he gets into that too, and it was yeah. kind of interesting because he sort of blames psychedelia on killing garage rock after a while because yeah. uh, you know those extensive guitar solos and that, that obsession with that you know musicianship and and exploring these other worlds or whatever you know this um so he sort of blames that uh you know on the beginnings of corporate rock and then the end of garage rock for a while you know it was always still yeah. simmering there but uh, you know there was a lull for a bit i think it, as the title says you know or subtitle garage rock from the 1950s to the present and he mm -hmm. does cover as much as possible, a little bit over 200 pages, <clears throat> not that large of a book, and a very quick read. Yeah. Um, he covers basically, you know, a lot of a lot of bands and a lot of history. Yeah. Um, it's not as thorough. I mean, it's kind of amazing. You, have you, do you ever read, like, Garage Rock publications? No, I don't. I'm not sure what publications you're referring to. Well, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a... Hold on a there's a There's a... Um, publication called um, Flashback comes oh, out of I'm England okay and, it, and there's also um, not ugly I think ugly things a magazine comes from California these are and, current magazines yeah kind of current I mean they, they're, they're they, they come they have one meal like not monthly issues but maybe twice a year oh, okay but they're kind of being issued now yeah okay. so compared to this book those magazines are insane <laughs> 
Right. They were like pages of pages of a band you never heard of. Okay, I think you have told me about these publications. Yeah, it's like flashbacks, especially. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a glossy magazine, but it's a very aesthetically well put together magazine. Mm-hmm. And literally, I count the pages. There's 90 pages of a band I have never Some heard. Some obscure band, right? And Whose made, are hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> and barely even finished or made that album. <laughs> right. Oh, that's hysterical. And I think the garage band aesthetic uh, in the later years is sort of a focus on that history. This book is not that. This book is really for anybody to get into who really want to know about garage rock. And right. It's a general history, but it's, it's a very general history. thorough. I mean, he's got a lot of information. I mean, I, uh, I actually consider this almost more of a reference book than, yeah. you know, a work of nonfiction reading. You know, it's it's narrative. It's not as narrative. Well, it's, it's a lot of the pages almost feel like it's just like, and then there was this band, and then there was this yeah. band, and then there was this band, and they did this, and yada, yada, yada. So it's, um, it's you know, an excellent reference book. And that's you know, it, it reads like a textbook. Right, right. And he is a professor. He's a professor. Yes, he's a professor of professor English. Of yes, English. at LSU. And, and it's not academic. You know, he's not he's, he's not writing this. No, it's, no, it's not, it's not really academic. It's, but he does cover really... the basis. You know, like, you know, when I, when I was in high school, I used to read, like, world history. And it's never uh-huh. totally in-depth, but you, you just sort of hit all the points of, you know, what happened yeah. in history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there's you know maybe two or three sentences per band. Yeah. You know, except maybe a few of the bigger bands might get a paragraph or two. But yeah, yeah, it's very cursory. You know, if you there's there's somebody you're interested in and you want to find out more, you need to go online or yeah, go someplace else to get more thorough. Or, or read flashback. This is a really read, great starting point. Yeah, or go you know find flashback and uh, read ninety pages right. of a band you never. Heard. <laughs> yeah, the real obsessives. Yeah. I have read every page of those 90 pages. And those type of publications are really great. I'm not putting it down right. at all. No, no, no. I know you love that kind of stuff. But, yes. but, it, but, it, but the idea obsessive. of music or a garage walk is a very obsessive study. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Seth Bovary's take on it, or the way he approaches it on this book, is not obsessive. It's actually very informative. Well, they're all informative. But, it's all, but for anybody who's just so curious... Dipping their toes into this subject matter. This is a good book or a good introduction, I believe. Right. Well, I think he is pretty obsessed with garage rock. And at one point, I love this quote that he says, uh, it would be safe to argue that the world has never seen an artistic movement as large as 1960s garage rock and that never before have so many people been active in a subculture devoted to making and enjoying music. That's a pretty bold statement. I yeah. mean, to say that this is like the largest artistic movement ever. So I, I think he's obsessed with garage rock himself. Well, garage rock is very, you know, it is an obsessive form of, of uh, music yeah. where you're into it. It's hard to listen to regular rock after garage rock. I mean, there's like, <laughs> there's like rock and roll. And then garage rock is, oh my God, that's the real thing. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, right. thing, you know, like, you know, and that's a problem with uh, bands who sort of um, try to continue the garage rock aesthetic, uh-huh. uh, which every decade has, a, a, you know, bands that do that right. uh, since the 60s. But right, me, he talks about that a lot. Yeah, He does. He covers all those bands. But to me, it's never as good or as interesting as the original 60s. Recording. Right. Well, I thought it was interesting because he did talk about that, uh, you know, and he says, you know, a lot of it just has to do with the fact that in the 60s, rock and roll was still relatively new. There was an innocence to it. There was still mm-hmm. so much to be explored. 
now everything is sort of codified, you know, people it's, I mean, you can't really replicate that, you know, you're just going to either be doing the same thing, which isn't very interesting, or you're going to do something new. I mean, that's just kind of the way of art. I mean, you can't replicate any era of art. No, no. It becomes like a nostalgia. Yeah, it becomes a nostalgia thing. So you either have to, you can be influenced by it, but then Uh, you have to bring something new to it. And then of course that does make it something else. Yes, Um, absolutely. I mean, that's just the nature of art. And then I don't, really think there's any point in bemoaning that fact it just is what it is it is what it is yeah he brings up a really interesting point and i never really thought about it till he wrote about it he talks about the british bands we're talking about the british invasion bands like the rolling stones uh, the pretty things Uh (laughs) and bands like that and them and you know sort of the bands are sort of blues rootsy bass who base their music on on blues records or r&b records of from America and from yeah. Black America, yeah, and the British bands pretty much try to imitate the sound of the blues singers or the blues, you know, image, instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like uh, Slim Harpo's um, um, was it B? What's it called? B. King B. I'm a King, king B. B. I'm a King B. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, really. For the B, yeah, it's got a great sting, <laughs> B sting sound. And Slim Harpo's version is brilliant. And the Rolling Stones version is very close to some Harpo arrangement. Yes, it's true. It is. You know, yeah. but there's, you know, but there's, but then this would make this is an interesting point. The Garage American bands are imitating the British bands. Right. Yeah, that was an interesting section of the book when he was talking about that. And yeah. and so, so 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 they're like they're like two pages or two generations or two <laughs> two hundred feet away from the from the original blues source. Right, because their source of that music is actually from British bands, yeah. Um, and I'm sort of that generation, so definitely, if I hear a blues song, it would be definitely by a, a British blues, you know, British band. I would not hear it uh-huh. from the Barfall. It'll be the Rolling right. Stones. So, right. so they're imitating. So they're they're not imitating, but they're sort of like, um, so they're getting it from a British band, and so the American garage rock performer artist are doing it in their own way of making it very right. like even more primitive than the British band and using like American accent and more sort of like, you know, they sound like they're from suburbia uh-huh. in a way. <laughs> and that I find really, I find that really interesting. I mean, it's, it's sort right. of like original. I don't think they meant it to be original, like we're going to do it this way. I think it's just, right. wow, I have the Stones record and um, I'm now going to do our own version of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is a, definitely an interesting path of influence for sure. And uh, I loved how he was talking about all of the uh, surf bands, and it cracked yeah. me up that a bunch of them were from the Midwest. You know, it's yeah. just um, so again, we have this kind of removed influence. You know, it's the same kind of uh, thing where the the path is not what you would expect it to be. <laughs> no, it, it's a very interesting because I've been buying some compilations of old surf uh, records. And um, it's interesting because they're all like one-hit wonders from regional labels. Right. That, you know, that doesn't exist. I mean, definitely doesn't exist now and barely even existed then, you know, in the early 60s. Right. And the surf music was like one of the first sort of like regional um, sounds. I mean, they're basically, they all, I mean, <laughs> we all presume they're all from the West Coast or near the water, but the fact they're 
thousands of miles away from an ocean or from a lake or even, you know, any of that stuff. So it's sort of a romantic dream they're basing their whole sound on. Yeah. And, and there's literally like hundreds or million thousand surf bands, you know, um, at the time in the early 60s. I thought it was interesting that he pointed out that the surf bands, um, be, uh, they started the whole reverb sound. Uh-huh. That was a big part of the surf sound yeah. because they were they were trying to get that effect to create the sound of the beach and the water and the waves. But uh, then that really became such a big part of rock and roll, that sound, that reverb sound. Yeah. The, the garage rock thing is really into sound, but like sound done in a very primitive way. Right. You know, like messing around with the, the amplifier or... or, or putting a knife to it or something that gives right. like that. Yeah. 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 And it's not yeah. a very small thing. It's almost like a, you know, instinct that they do these things. Yeah. They're just experimenting and uh, seeing what they can do. You know, I guess that's what happens when you're an amateur. Uh, you just play around with the sound and see whatever you can do. So the surf music, the, the compilation of surf music that I purchased recently is really interesting. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's, um, yeah, all it, early 60s surf stuff? Yeah, all early 60s. Uh-huh. The most famous name was a gentleman by the name of um, Scott Walker. Oh, is that why you bought it initially? Because it's got one of those old Scott Walker? Yeah. From his surf band? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'd like to hear uh-huh. that. All right. <laughs> You're going to have to play that for me at some point in the future. What's the most interesting nice. is it's the only surf record that's orchestrated. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so he was already doing that back then. That's amazing. He always knew what he was going to do. Did he play yeah. bass back then? Yeah, he was a session that? bass player. Right, right. And he was in a band called the Rooters. Uh-huh. And the Rooters did like surf instrumentals. They did a song, right. did a song called Let's Go, which is, was a hit, or at least a hit in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And, nice. um, and I believe he played um, bass. Or if he didn't play bass, he was at least in the touring band. Right. He played bass twenty with the man. Well, then we gotta love surf music if, if for no other reason than spawn Scott Walker. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he also brings up like a lot of the guitar players from the fifties, like Link Ray and um, um, and people right. like that who are sort of very yeah. pioneering. Um, um, and Dick Dale, a, a big surf yes. guitarist. Yes, um, Dwayne Eddy. Dwayne Eddy. These are all like really prominent, important uh, musicians who really brought a noise or a sound to their guitar. Right, right. And, They're and, the, the ones that he sort of uh, says started the whole garage rock. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's absolutely true. They did such brilliant work at that time. Right, and, right. And, and that is interesting he talks, yeah, well, he talks about how, you know, garage rock really started out with these instrumental bands, and it was interesting yeah. because he said, you know, sort of crooners were was really popular at the time. Yeah. And, you know, the, the kids couldn't necessarily sing to be a good singer. That takes some real talent, but you know, mm-hmm. to play a guitar, like I said before, all you got to do mm-hmm. is be able to play a couple chords. You know, it's real easy to learn a blues progression on guitar. It doesn't take and, a lot of effort. And you, Kimley, so. is the master of that. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite a skill. <laughs> let me tell you, I worked really hard on it. <laughs> but yeah. So it's amazing. It's really interesting because he does get into, you know, the, context of the 1950s and and being that you know the economy was booming kids could go uh-huh. out and afford to buy guitars he talks a lot about how how many instruments were sold you know versus you know several oh. years before this start 
So it reminds me because he talks about the you know uh, garage rock all over the world, including yeah. Asia. And I know yeah, this. I loved the international section. That was an interesting section. And the, the band, the Ventures, you know, uh-huh. a surf or just a rock instrumental band from Seattle, yeah. Washington, originally. Uh, uh-huh. They're mega huge in Japan, mm-hmm. and to this day, they're super famous in Japan. Are they? Oh wow! Yeah, because they're the first one. He he brings something in his book a little draw, bit. Even with young people. Well, they first came to Japan like in sixty one, sixty two. They sold like 100 million records in their career. Wow. wow. 40 million was sold in Japan. Yeah, wow. And uh, they were the, one of the first bands, if not the first brand, the, the first band to bring an electric guitar to Japan. Oh, that's interesting. So the first time for a lot of Japanese people to see somebody playing electric guitar was the Adventures. Really? Oh. Yeah. So... In that way, you know, it, it's interesting like how Beatles, you know, like the Beatles brought a sound and an image to all these garage rock bands. It's oh. interesting that somebody like the Adventures, uh, who are very influential in the surf music world and instrumental rock world and, you know, for many years. But in Japan, they're especially noted for, uh, yeah. for the type of guitar playing. And there's a lot of, like, Japanese artists who imitate the Adventures afterwards. Uh-huh. And made yeah, their it's own interesting. Japan is very, uh, it's an obsessed uh, music culture for sure over there. Yes. I'd say way more than here in the States. I mean, we have pockets of it, but it seems to me to be much more obsessive there than it is here. Yeah. You, for one thing, you cannot go to a music store and not find a Ventures record. Yeah. Impossible. You can always find an Ventures record. <laughs> in fact, I have a record, the Ventures doing Japanese music. Huh. They're only released wow. in Japan. It's them doing Japanese pop songs. Really? Oh, that's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, really. It is interesting. Huh. It's all okay, Japanese yeah. traditional, well, traditional Japanese pop music, like Anka music, but all done uh-huh. in the arrangement by the Ventures. Ah, oh, wow. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, yes. I found um, it was fun when I was uh, looking for stuff to listen to as I was going through this, you know, I was trying to find the nugget stuff because I have a bunch of the nuggets uh-huh. records, but I don't have all of them. So I was looking for some of them online. And as I was doing that, I found a great uh, collection called Los Nuggets with a Z and it's Latin American, all Spanish uh, language, uh-huh. garage rock. And it's fantastic. It's such uh-huh. good stuff. And then I found some other, uh, it's funny, there's other collections, you know, there's pebbles and boulders. It cracks yeah. me up that they all sort of did a play on, a, you know, various sizes of rocks. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. uh, there's some international ones, uh, international yeah. pebbles ones. There's some Asian ones that look really good. I've listened to a little bit of those. And yeah, there's a lot of really great stuff out there. It's kind yeah, of most, amazing. Most of those compilations came from the punk rock era of the 1970s. You know, uh-huh. I think when, when record collecting become very sort of a serious and affordable. So a lot of people collect it, start collecting these garage rock singles, you know, from that right. was 10 years old by, at that time. Well, it was interesting that he pointed out that the Nuggets compilations, when they initially came out, I think, what was it, the early 70s? He said mm-hmm. they didn't sell very well, but they were frequently cited by musicians as being a huge influence, sort of like, you know, the Velvet Underground mm-hmm. or Big Star, you know, their records didn't sell well, but... Yeah. Everybody who listened to it went out and got a guitar. So the and, Nuggets are kind of in that category. And Lenny Kay put it together. Lenny Kay or Patti right. Smith name. Um, right. Before Patti well, Smith. I knew them because they got reissued in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That's when I first got the Nuggets records. 
I think I got the original Nuggets of the Whales originally released in, yeah. in the early 70s sometime. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And I knew those songs because I'm, I'm from that generation that, that remember hearing them on the radio. Most yeah, of them, well, I remember, I remember the ones yeah. that did. I mean, a lot of them were hits, you know, a lot uh -huh. of them, you know, so-called one-hit wonders. I mean, I remember a lot of those from when I was a little kid. Uh -huh. um, so they weren't unfamiliar to me. No. But uh, the book certainly. I did buy an album that. recently online by, re yes. by reading this book. I bought a band, The Preachers. Yeah, The Preachers are good. Yeah, I was listening to some of their stuff. From, uh, I, reading I found their record and, and I bought it. It wasn't expensive. And, uh, and I bought the only copy. It's available. So I'm sorry for everybody else. <laughs> nobody else can, nobody else can get one now because you no. got the last copy. And and once I get it and listen to it and study it, I'm planning to write a 90-page article on the preachers. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, you've been known to do that before, Josh. So <laughs> yes, I have been known. I'm known. I'm known for the knowns. So five years ahead of my time, garage rock from the 1950s to the present, written by Seth Bovary. Bovary, sorry, Bovary. Uh, published by Reaction Press, Reaction Books, and part of their Reverb series. Yes, yes, we're big fans of Reaction. Great. Yes. And also, I just want to let people know that, you know, right now things are sort of, nobody's sure where to go shopping or where buying stuff, but um, people should go to bookshop.org. Definitely. To buy books. Uh, I would forget about Amazon right now because they're they're focusing on other things. But if you yeah. want a book, go to bookshop.org, and you can locate your favorite bookstore or some bookstore you you admire, and they get a percentage of the sales of each book that's sold on that website. Right. That's and a lot great. of stories are existing right now because of bookshop.org. So uh, I strongly recommend if you do get this book, and you should get this book and buy this book. I. You, do you feel the same way, Kimberly? Do you like this book? Yeah, I feel this is kind of like a, a canonical book of the rock and roll book canon. You know, you mm -hmm. really need to, uh, it's it's an essential read, I think, for anybody interested in, in garage rock and rock and roll. And again, it has a good discography in the end. Is it, yeah, he's got a fantastic recommended le yeah. uh, reading list, and he's got a nice bibliography in the back. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a nicely done book for sure. It's a good. It's a really good. It's a really good reference book. Yes. And he's a good writer. On top of it, his prose style is, is very readable and very. Important. Yeah, I mean, he does a really nice job of sort of tying things together, making connections. You know, uh, uh, taking. You know, showing how the influence of garage rock on punk rock and then eighties rock, and it's uh, so he does a really nice job of that. Yeah, so that's five years ahead of my time. We both give it a thumbs up. Definitely, definitely. And um, we're not quite sure what we're going to be reading for our next uh, podcast. Things are, we have some the, books on the way, but things are crazy right now. So In the, in the year and the virus, we don't know what yes. tomorrow brings. Yes, but we will definitely have something. We will not uh, leave our listeners disappointed. No, actually, <laughs> if we don't have anything, I plan to, we, we you and Kimberly, you and me, we're going to write a book. We'll write a music oh. book. There we go. Okay. And, went, and we'll do it within two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> we'll do it within two weeks, and we will discuss that book. Okay. All right. Well, maybe you can write those uh, 90, 90 pages on uh, the preachers. <laughs> we can work on this together. 
Sounds good. Sounds like a plan, Tosh. <laughs> In the meantime, everybody can uh, follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And we are recently part of the Twitterverse, reluctantly somewhat, but we found that a lot of uh, our favorite writers and publishers seem to be active on there. So we are checking it out. And uh, if you are Twitter inclined, please do follow us there. We're Book Music. Yeah, please join. B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K. And uh, we'll be posting on there. And um, we will see you next time. Yes. Stay safe. (laughs) Stay healthy. And healthy. And uh, as a cramp say, stay sick. All right. Nice, nice (laughs) cramps reference. Very appropriate for this book. I love it. Very much so. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.